0: WELCOME TO I LOVE PALM BEACH. WE TALK ABOUT EVERYTHING PALM BEACH COUNTY, FLORIDA HAS TO OFFER AND WHY YOU SHOULD MAKE IT YOUR HOME. WE ARE A TEAM OF REAL ESTATE PROFESSIONALS WHO LOVE WHERE WE LIVE AND WE WANT TO SHOW YOU WHY YOU WILL LOVE PALM BEACH TOO. YOU'LL LEARN ABOUT OUR HOBBIES AND OUR LIFESTYLE STORIES FOR FUN AND AMAZING THINGS TO DO. FOLLOW IN OUR SEARCH FOR STORIES TO FIND THE BEST OF, WHETHER IT'S A SPECIFIC FOOD OR SERVICE Palm Beach has it all and does it bigger and better. Or follow our local hero stories to discover the amazing people who call Palm Beach home. And now, here's your host, Rebecca Giacoba.
1: Hi, today um, we're here with Charles Bender. He's what we call one of our local heroes and he's involved in um, philanthropy. We have a ton of philanthropy in Palm Beach County And this is my favorite charity, Place of Hope. And I'm gonna let Charles talk about what his title is and the many aspects that Place of Hope gets involved in.
2: Well, thank you, Rebecca. Appreciate you having us on. And um, I'm the CEO of Place of Hope. I've been here 20 years since the very beginning. We were uh, started even prior to that as a vision and a mission that was launched by Christ Fellowship Church here in Palm Beach Gardens, and the idea was that we were going to figure out a way to take care of the neediest kids and young people in our community, which, you know, translates into foster care and kids removed for abuse, neglect, abandonment, endangerment in their homes and have to at least temporarily go into some level of foster care. And so for us, it was, okay, well, we're not going to just go and repeat, you know, all the things that don't work in foster care. We want to, we want to create a new model. and. That model really should focus on some of the core areas of need, large sibling groups being able to stay together where appropriate, um, kids not bouncing around from home to home while in foster care and giving them consistency, uh, a wholesome environment, family dynamics, and then a learning environment for them so that they can, if they come and go out of the system quick or if they're in it for a long term, either way, we need to be planting seeds, to show them the way to become successful when they do become young adults and and go into adulthood. So we created our own model called A Place of Hope. And um, it all started originally here with our Paxson campus in Palm Beach Gardens with our family model. And then from there, we've just expanded into a whole bunch of other areas of need now making us the largest child welfare organization in the most of South Florida.
1: One of the, That I found you guys get involved with was the kids that age out of foster care. And that's what first intrigued me and got me interested in an organization. I feel like everybody kind of forgets about those kids. They're just 18 and they don't know what they're doing yet.
2: Yeah, you know, I've I've read studies that show that your average young person uh, in a a fully, you know, or in a functioning family outside of (laughs) the foster care system. They average, length, you know, they're averaging moving out of their homes between like 26, 27 years old, you know, and so that's after college. They're coming back home, et cetera. But we imagine these kids, they're in this tumultuous environment. Sometimes long term, they don't get out of the foster care system into, you know, in a timely way into forever families, whether that's adoption or back home. There's no permanency. And then on top of that, you heard me say that, you know, the systems plagued with, you know, kids, unfortunately, bouncing around from home to home, lack of consistency, falling behind in school, Mm -hmm. broken relationships, all these things. But yet we, you know, in some ways expect in, you know, that these kids are just all of a sudden, what, ready, healed, you know, independent at 18 after all that, you know, I don't think so. So, and then the stats show that they're not. And so we pretty, pretty early on about, about six years into our existence, we, we looked six or seven years, we, we looked at the fact that, you know, these our own kids are going to start aging out. Um, so we knew it was an issue. It's just, what are we going to do about it? And so mm-hmm. thankfully, as, you know, as God would have it toward the plan and, and, and just great people came around and said, hey, what are y'all going to do about this? We've heard about this issue and said, well, we have plans. We know what to do. We just don't have the resources to do it. And, you know, shortly after that, there were a few families that stepped up and then some others got involved. And we launched our program, Villages of Hope, which is that transition, that bridge to successful independence. And it's basically just given them, like I said, that bridge and, and you know, dignity, hope, uh, consistent living environment, um, well under fair market rent that they have to pay to be a part of the program because, you know, you have to have skin in the game. And again, we're transitioning. You're no longer in foster care, you're not in the dependency system, but you need that additional help. So it's, it's considered transitional affordable housing. They pay a program fee and they're with us, but you have to work. You have to go to school. You have to have a plan. You have to live uh, in a responsible way because it's a community. And then while you're there, you also have to be attending and engaged in independent living skills training, which takes on a whole lot of different meanings and, and, and ways we provide that. But um, you have, to, it's a program. You have to be engaged in it. But if you are, you can and will learn how to become independent and eventually leave that program. But it fills that gap that everybody does here, that at 18, these poor kids in foster care end up, you know, kind of out on the street. Um, And that does happen all over the place, uh, because this issue hasn't been, you know, quote, made up for or healed all over the place. And we're we're a large provider of that kind of housing, but in most communities, it doesn't even exist. Um, And, you know, the key there is you have from my perspective doing this a long time, you have to own your real estate because you, we can't just go around paying rent for young people everywhere. That's, you know, um, it's just not a sustainable model. Um, so it's actually become one of our largest areas of growth, unfortunately based on need, but at least we've been able to address it. Um, we've even opened up a campus in Boca that is is all post 18 young people, so.
1: Yeah, I've worked with some of the boys and uh, one here in gardens. And I'll just pull them in when I have a special project to help. And they are amazing, great kids. Yeah, they are. Really feel so fortunate that they're there. And they struggle like all young people. But they're really, really good kids. And thankful yeah. to be there.
2: And You know, it's a, they say only about 50% on average kids in foster care will actually graduate high school. So believe it or not, today, Friday, we are... Um, doing a graduation ceremony for our young people tonight here on the Paxson campus. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, we have 15 graduating uh, young people, 14 from high school and one from getting his master's degree right now in college. And that's actually 100% of our eligible kids are in fact graduating. So it shatters statistics know. and we're so yeah. excited about it. We're doing a big deal for them and, you know, they're going to just be made to feel special because they are, you know, they absolutely. Be so.
1: One thing I find very interesting is these kids that grow up in a foster home, that the foster parents are relinquishing them at 18. Isn't there a bond built in some cases where they feel like they're, they're real children and continue with them or. I- yeah, they
2: they can and some yes. do. Um, there is a new, well, not so new any longer, but but Florida did kind of get ahead of this issue a little bit a, um, a few years back, where they extended jurisdiction. So basically, a kid turning 18 in foster care is now you know out of foster care. But if they choose to abide by this certain extension model that was created, they could stay in what's called extended jurisdiction or extended foster care. It's not quite the same but if they do they'll get a little transitional help financially from the state but there's caveats to that so there there was kind of formulated that hopefully they'll stay in like a program like villages or go to one or stay in their foster family if the foster family is able some do it and 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 some just without that they think the kids can still live with them but there's different liabilities that that line up after they're longer under 18 they're adults and there's. There's a lot of caveats, so it's really up to the individual, but there are a lot of great people that still make that possible.
1: Um, And so you guys are also involved in trafficking now, human trafficking. Um, I know that's a a huge point right now. How did that happen, and what kind of people are we saving here in the county?
2: So we serve victims, survivors in residential care, and what we do is we, we place them where appropriate in various Programs that are already operating. So it could be our transitional housing, it could be one uh-huh. of our foster homes, it could be our maternity home for pregnant teens. It just depends on their individual needs. And then what <clears> we do, <throat> the programs are good. They are they're structured um, already for you know therapeutic needs. But obviously a lot of times when you have victims of human trafficking, their their, their needs therapeutically can be greater. And um, so what we do is we have a team that we dispatch to wherever we placed them. So on average we have anywhere between nine and twelve survivors Mm -hmm. that are in our care and they most often need some additional therapeutic support. So we take the team and we bring the additional services to them. It works really well. Um, And so on that side of things, um, we've actually been doing that, not the way I just described it, but we've been serving these Mm -hmm. victims, survivors for many, many years. And I always tell people, a lot of people, we didn't even realize it. So in other words, we'd read the files, we'd have the background on what was going on in their lives, but people back early on didn't really talk about human trafficking, they didn't really talk about victims of, of sex trafficking and so forth. If you read the files and, and understand, you know, you know, then compared to now or whatever, it was all the same terminology, this is what it was, but nobody really knew that right. that was a factor. So um, we've been doing it for very many years. Um, then what we expanded on a few years ago was just the the education part in the community, letting people Uh, getting the word out about what's taking place. I mean, I don't know if you saw just in the last couple of days, a girl disappeared from Hope Sound and and everybody, she was found, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you just, they say that traffickers will pick up on and identify and go after uh, young runaways within 24 hours of them being on the street. How they do that, I don't know, but there's a network out there, there's a system and they so, so these are dangerous times? And so one of the things we have started is just an education piece to let people know that this is real, this is happening, here's sometimes what it looks like, here's what you should do if you see something, you report it and here's how you go about it. So um, you know, we can take that, we have a film called Invisible and we can take that film into so many different environments, especially with young mm-hmm. people, just training them. But, but parents should know too, anybody that's around kids or has influence with kids should know about these issues. So that's something we added just because we really felt like the prevention model here is critical. I've always said, I don't know if we're ever going to eradicate abuse mm-hmm. and neglect of children. It's probably been going on. It has since the dawn of time, right? But but with this, it's the kind of thing where if, if we just get a little bit of education in front of these young people, it might be enough to get them to understand that that guy that's or that, that person that's uh, texting them or uh, that are you know, mm-hmm. getting in touch with them on their Snapchat or whatever it is, uh, probably, if you don't know them, probably has, you know, some plan that isn't good. And so, you know, just getting kids to understand the, the, the with a heightened sense of, of understanding so that something just doesn't go bad. Um, yeah, I think people think don't, don't
1: really life. even understand what human trafficking is. They hear the terminology, but they don't understand that it's, typically that young person that running away or bonds with somebody that means bad for them. So yes, education's amazing.
2: Yeah. They're, they're either forced or they're coerced or something of that nature mm-hmm. to where uh, it's no longer in their decision-making ability. And there's a lot of tricks that these guys will play to, to get them to be entrapped. And then um, yeah. just, we've seen some really horrendous cases over the years, but uh, we also know that there can be tremendous healing as well. Um but how much better if we can keep anybody from, to the best of our ability to fall into that, you know?
1: Absolutely.
2: And I'll be honest with you, one of the areas nationally that they talk about for, you know, domestic minor sex trafficking is one of the places that these, um, these folks, these traffickers will look to find, you know, potential victims is in, you know, dysfunctional or bad households or, or mm-hmm. even in foster care that's not run well. Right. So, you know, they're looking for those that are already been victimized in life, and they're going to tr- figure out how to then exploit them if they're, they're exploitable. And so, you know, by doing a great job in foster care, as we do at Place of Hope, we are, you know, way ahead of the curve for a lot of these kids, you know. and And, and then on top of that, we're educating them on what to look for, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So as people choose charities to contribute their money and get involved in, I know there's a rating system, and I know Place of Hope has a very high rating. Could you explain that to the listeners?
2: So, I mean, there, there are obviously a lot of ways to grade a charity, but there, there are two things out there. Um, one, one is called GuideStar, and they give you like, you know, a seal of transparent, transparency. So basically what they do is they go and they look at all your information, your books, how much you spend on the kids compared to fundraising and management and all those things that, mm-hmm you know if, if you run a good business you should be in control of to the best of your ability and then what they do is they they rate you and then they they produce their rating system for anybody to look at so you know even though we're Florida based there could be somebody in Michigan that wants to give to a great right. kids organization or or just in Florida and and if they if they don't know us and they want to see how the outside rating agencies look at us regardless of our input cuz you know we don't get to say hey we're good at this or that they just look um and so we have the highest rating you can do there, and then uh, Charity Navigator, which is one that's known by even more people, more Mm -hmm. people have heard that name, Um, we have their highest rating by far every year, which is a four-star rating, and then for many years in a row, we've actually been rated number one in the nation in our category for what we do, actually literally the number one charity in the nation for uh, youth and sheltering and so forth, so they're looking at thousands of charities. Um, wow,
1: that's something to really be proud of.
2: Yeah, we don't say it braggingly, we say it more of as an as, you know, it's a way to say like you're saying that people mm-hmm. are looking to give, and there's a million options out there. I mean, you definitely want to give where you know your money is being used appropriately and those are the those are two of the ways to look at metrics and see, okay, I trust these organizations have vetted you know place hope and others.
1: Well, I always like to say Palm Beach County people really care all about philanthropy and different charities. So I know you do a ton of amazing events that people can volunteer or donate or just participate in. Do you want to talk about I know this year was a strange year, a couple coming up and how yeah,
2: we, we've been get forced. Involved. Yeah. We, we we've been forced unfortunately to um, cancel or postpone a lot of our fundraising events, which is it does represent a, a good mm-hmm size of our operating budget. Um, You know, just backing up for a second, the state of Florida years back said to run a successful child welfare type system or organization, the idea is the government's going to pay certain amounts for certain types of programs, and then the rest really is on what they call the local community, which translates into the local nonprofit who has the contract to raise that other side of it privately. So um, we actually agree with that model, and that, which is why we're out raising money because you can do a better job with the government just being a partner as opposed to being in charge, mm-hmm. we believe. And so you know we we go to the community and say, would you give us the other part? You know, essentially. And we do that a lot of different ways. And one of it is, one of those ways is through special events, fundraising events. As you can imagine, with COVID nineteen, we've canceled or postponed quite a few things.
0: Um, the good news is
2: it looks like some you know things are opening up, things are starting to get back to normal. So we are going to go ahead and pull off our uh, Paradise Peninsula dinner. Which is an outdoor celebration of mm. old Florida and Florida, and uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, socially responsible. We'll socially distance. We'll be outdoors under a, you know, tent with outsides. The air will be blowing through. We'll, gonna have very, you know, strict controls mm. over food service and so forth. And so it may be one of the, you know, the first to come out. You know, big events that hits the the, the calendar for our local area again. It's for November thirteenth as of now, and then. One of the other things we're doing, we, we did pull off a very successful virtual event recently. It did mm-hmm. very well for us, which included online auctions and so forth. So uh, one we're getting ready to launch again is going to be on, uh, it'll go for two weeks completely online, which is simply an auction. So people are going to be able to get on and look at all these great trips that we've gotten and golf foursomes and different things in different areas and literally just bid on them. And by buying that and, you know, when everything's back to normal, people want to go golfing or go to a trip here or there they're going to own those. And, and basically at very low cost to us, we're going to be able to sell all these things because people have been very generous giving us the golf foursomes and other you know, trips and prizes. And so we're excited about that. That'll last the first two weeks in July.
1: Um, okay. Well, we would love to help you promote that.
2: And it's called summer of fun.
1: Yes. And then any of our listeners who have businesses that want to donate something, should they contact Olivia? Is she in charge of that now? Or,
2: it, uh, mainly Jamie um,
1: Jamie okay I know
2: Jamie yeah and also and also Lisa in in our Boca facility campus so.
1: okay well I'll make sure that I get that information and put it out there be awesome um anything we can do to help I know my team will be buying a table for the peninsula dinner
2: right it's I, a great um, event
1: yeah oh my gosh it was so fun last year <laughs> we can't wait
2: yeah it's neat it's uh, we got Good band coming again this year and so forth so we should have a good time. yeah last
1: year we were figuring it out you know yeah and um it was amazing so i'm really excited this year
2: and um for the peninsula dinner again this year which is in jupiter the um three forks is actually assigned signed back on to be our our, our state provider our food provider.
1: oh i'm really happy about that he did an amazing job last year I like little alligator bites. I thought that was a... Yeah,
2: they did that as well. So it's really just a time to celebrate this great state, which I love. We've been here forever and um, Mm -hmm. and just let people see the great outdoors a little bit too, you know, just happens to be a good time to do it with all this, you know, fear of being too close to other people and so forth.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Charles, for coming on today and anything we can do to help, please reach out.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate the time and thanks for what you're doing to, you know, get the message out about things like Place of Hope and and other areas as well.
1: Okay, thanks. Have a great day. I'll see you guys soon, okay?
2: All right, you too. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's show and we hope you visit again next week. Please share with your friends and we look forward to showing you around our amazing cities soon. Visit GiaRealty.com. That's G-I-A-R-E-A-L-T-Y team.com. Or you can call us at 561-203-4661.